Welcome to the GC Podcast, a podcast to help you develop into the healthiest ministry leader you can be by sharing practical ministry experience. Here are your hosts, Kara Garrity and Carissa Panuve. Hello, friends, and welcome to the final GC Podcast episode of 2022. I'm so pleased to have Carissa Panuve here helping us close out the year. So thank you, Carissa, for helping us end the year strong. <laughs> thank you, Kara, for having me and giving me the opportunity to be here. I'm so excited to help close out the year. Oh, yes. And as we're closing out the year with GC Podcast, we're all likely preparing to close out the year in, you know, a lot of different ways. And so the end of a calendar year, it's, it's often a good time to reflect on what, you know, what lays behind and, and what's what's coming ahead. What is one of your favorite reflective practices? Ooh, well, I am a water baby after all. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> but not so much that I want to still be in the pool. So <laughs> I do enjoy sitting in the shower. And if I'm not singing along to my worship playlist, I like to think about all the things that have happened in the past year, per se, and reflect on God's hand in my life and um, just look at it into detail um, because it may have not have been as visible in that moment. And so thinking through all that does make me excited to see how God will continue to work, not only in my life, but those around me as well. And knowing that he will never leave me or forsake me is so comforting. Mm. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, that with us. I think that you know, reflection is a really meaningful spiritual practice and we all do it in, in different, in different ways. But like you said, remembering the faithfulness of God through reflection is really, really powerful. And so even as we reflect on, on this year on GC podcast, we've been exploring the love avenue and our theme compelled by love, um, throughout the year. So I thought it would be appropriate to close out the year by returning to this this idea of, of compelled by love, being compelled by love. And and it's good to explore best ministry practices of the the love avenue, you know, what are what are the things that we can do? Um, what are what are some things that that are good practice? But if we forget the who and and the why, at the end of the day all all the best practices are just you know, they're busy work or they're just noise. And so what is it, Carissa, what does it mean to you to be compelled by the love of Christ in, in witness and in mission? Well, <laughs> to me, it would mean that whatever we do or say should be with that thought of how Jesus loves in the back mm. of our minds. And for me personally, well, I get triggered very easily. <laughs> and mm. it's something that God has been working with me on. <laughs> but yes, in those times when I feel like someone is purposely pushing my buttons or I'm just having a low day where I feel like everyone or everything is against me, um, I have learned to make it a habit to remember that emotions are temporary and we shouldn't let what we feel trump what we know. Mm. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but if we know that Christ died for us and he loves us unconditionally, and he made us in his image, then these emotions that are not of God should not overrule the knowledge that God loves us unconditionally and he wants that for us as well. Yeah, that makes absolute sense and I think is a really powerful um, formative practice. So I appreciate you sharing that with us, Carissa. And so now let's go ahead and uh, turn to our interview with Takalani Musekwa. Hello, friends, and welcome to the latest episode of GC Podcast. This podcast is devoted to exploring best ministry practices in the context of Grace Communion International Churches. I'm your host, Kara Garrity, and today I am so happy to interview Takalani Musekwa. Takalani is the GCI Regional Director of Southern Africa. Takalani, thank you so much for taking your time to join us today on the GC Podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Kara. Um, I'm really glad to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. 
Yes, so am I. And today I'm really excited because we're going to be wrapping up our theme of the year, Compelled by Love, where we've been focusing on the love avenue and and ministry practices within the love avenue. And so when we think about the love avenue, one of the things we've been talking about is the, the truth that our God is ascending God. And so for you, Takalani, what does it mean to live sense um i think if you if if you look at it um we don't really have an option um as believers Mm. as the church um uh, jesus said as the father sent me i send you um and i think it's uh, uh it's who we are as the church it's uh it identifies our role in the world um uh, one uh, writer uh said um we exist for mission um mm. and that's what the church's primary purpose is and he said the church that forgets that uh becomes a social organization it becomes anything else other than that and i think it's important that uh, as a church we uh, keep this center and uh, of mind that um jesus when he left he said i send you and so we live in the world as a saint community. And I think it's, a, it's important. For me, that's what it means. It means it defines who we are as believers. So it's not something that it's one of the things we do. Um, it's who we are. It defines who we are. So for me, that's, that's what it means uh, to be sent. Um, and it's a privilege uh, because um, mm, yes. uh, God sent his own son into the world uh, and the son wants to share that sending with us. He wants us to participate in that work. Uh, and so for me, that's very uh, uh, privileged work. And if we can see it that way, that we are participating in something that is uh, uh, privileged. But I mean, God said, uh, Jesus himself said, look, um, do not think uh, that uh, um, you are so special. Uh, God can raise stones um, mm. um, if he needs to. So for us to do this, it's not because God can't do it himself, uh, but mm-hmm. it's because he chooses to do it with us. He chooses to see us participate. Um, so that's for me where the privilege lies, that this is not because uh, God is desperate for us, uh, but it's because he wants us to be participants uh, in what he's doing in the world. And so it's a very special privilege to have as believers. That is so beautifully said. Thank you, Takalani. And this idea, or not the idea, but the truth that it's it's about who we are, not just something that we do, I think is so powerful. And and when we've been talking about the Love Avenue this year, we we come back to this this theme of compelled by love and and so I'm wondering, what difference does it make when it's the love of co- Christ that compels us to live lives of sentness? Yeah, th- th- that's important because um, um, often, um, I mean, we know uh, from Michael from the very early church, um, Peter writes about it, Paul writes about it, uh, that there are many who come into the church for, for many other reasons. Uh, and they do what they do for many other reasons. Uh, we can mm. do this because we want to seek respect. We can do it because we want honor and acclaim and popularity and acceptance. Um, but those are not the drivers of what we do. Uh, Jesus was sent to the world, not because he was going to be popular, not because he was going to be accepted, uh, not mm. because he was going to be respected or honored. Um, in fact, uh, many times he was treated uh, uh, very poorly for who he was, and he died uh, a very shameful death. Um, so those are the things that we should, uh, and I think that's probably, if you like, uh, the biggest stumbling block to us doing uh, the work of being sent, of sharing the love of God with the world. Because um, where we are not likely going to obtain the honor and the respect and the acceptance and popularity, uh, we find that we don't want to get involved in that. And our world today mm. is full of that. Um, we find people who are doing this because they are seeking uh, after popularity, they want to be famous and all those kind of things. That's why they do what they do. Uh, they want to get the seats in the front um, 
uh, in the in the, the front seat. I mean, I don't know where, where it is in the U.S. Uh, see on TV, but here in, on the continent, um, to be a pastor or call an evangelist or anything, some churches anybody uh, is called a pastor. If you are a man, for that for that matter. So wherever you arrive, then you are treated like that because you are a church person. You're given the front seat and so on. So some people do it for that reason. And I think that's the sad part. Um, we need to understand that our mission is to share the love of God uh, with the world. And that love mm. may be rejected uh, just as Jesus himself was rejected. He did say that uh, just as they rejected me, they probably would reject you. Just as they persecuted me, they'll probably persecute you. So we don't do it for those reasons. We do it despite those reasons. Uh, we understand that uh, Jesus died for all humans. Uh, whether they know it or not, that's what has happened. Uh, and we need to continue to share the good news, whether they reject us or not. When Jesus sent the, uh, the 72, um, and I, f- I find that very fascinating for me, that he sends in the book of Luke, he sends the 12. Uh, and then he sends the 72, almost to say, I'm not just sending the 12. Yes. The rest of you, uh, the seventy-two for me represents the rest of us who are not pastors, who are not leaders in the church. Mm. And, uh, it's actually a mission for all of us. And then when he, when he sends them, he tells them, "Look, you go and um, uh, you do this, and if uh, they don't accept you, you move on. Uh, don't worry about whether they accept you or not. Um, you just need to do what uh, you are sent to do uh, until you find the men of peace, until you find those that accept you, uh, and you just keep preaching." But the bottom line is we need to um, reach out to whether we are accepted or not, whether there is a reciprocation or not. Because there is there's, there's a time when um, we are driven, and I see it as a church, we can fall into that trap. Uh, we were driven by simply wanting to increase the numbers uh, in our mm. church, that uh, whatever uh, Love Avenue activities we do uh, is driven primarily by whether it will add by, uh, uh, people into the seats uh, in our churches. Um, I think we need to see beyond that, that God is doing much, a much greater work beyond uh, that. Uh, and that's, I think, what we should be, we should be mindful of. Uh, because if that becomes the driver, then we lose sight of what we're trying to do. We, don't be, we become anything like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm in the corporate world. We don't, we're not different to marketing people who are simply trying to get more business. Um, mm. And that's not what we are about. We are about sharing the love of God to the world. Um, it, it might end up that people don't necessarily come into a church, but the seed we have planted might grow 20 years down the line, um, 30 years down the line. Um, mm. And that's, that's for me, the, the, the cross of the matter, is to understand that God is working in people's lives. Uh, and he may not do it, do it today, but the seed we plant today might find fruit in five years when we're no longer even there. So we won't see it. So it's only to it's it's about understanding that God is at work, and therefore whatever we do won't necessarily uh, generate results that we can see. Um, so that that I think it's important that uh, the love of God um, is what drives us. The love that Christ had, I mean, Christ wept over Jerusalem, uh, mm. and that's the love that we need to have. Paul in the book of Romans uh, nine, he talks about how he his heart aches to see the people of Israel saved. Um, he yearns for that. He yearns to see. He was saying, he says, I wish I myself could be condemned and accursed uh, if only my people could be saved instead. Uh, and I think that's the kind of sacrificial love Paul had for the people of Israel. Uh, and I think if all of us could have that kind of uh, uh, love for our communities, for our villages, for our cities, for our neighborhoods, to say, I, I would love to see my neighborhood saved. I would love to see my city saved. Um, even if it were to mean I'm cursed and I'm abandoned, but if they could be saved. Because that's the kind of life Jesus uh, lived, to say, mm. uh, even if, if it means me dying, that they could be saved. That's what it means. And I think that's, that's where we need to get to, where we genuinely love the people, that uh, we seek their salvation above all, besides, despite uh, us not getting anything in return um, for that matter. So I think that's, that's for me, uh, what the primary thing is. If we don't have that, then a lot of the other things come into play and we're driven by um, selfish motives, uh, which eventually gets exposed uh, because the people can see that uh, we're not really loving them for who they are.
Mm. That is a really powerful word. And and even a, a challenge, you mentioned that that word stumbling block, right? <laughs> that there are, are things that, that we can allow to to get in in the way there are other things that sometimes we allow to motivate us other than the love of christ but it is only the love of christ that can truly compel us to be sent in a way that is real and true and and genuine because it's it's the only thing that's lasting and so you know Tagalandi, could you speak a little bit to some, you mentioned a, a few, but what are some of the other things that you've seen can sometimes motivate us to be sent or to participate in Love Avenue activities? And then what what's the, the risk when we allow those things to be stumbling blocks, when we allow things other than the love of Christ to, to compel us? Um. <clears throat> Sometimes we can do it out of guilt, for example. Sometimes we might feel mm. uh, that um, if we don't do something, then uh, um, we're doing something wrong. Um, so guilt can be the driver uh, where we're doing it out of guilt. Um, we can do it uh, sometimes even out of a feeling of uh, God's impotence to think that uh, um, if we don't do something, um, uh, people are going to uh, die because I didn't speak to them. So, 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 mm. so we need to understand the sovereignty of God over our salvation, that uh, um, he has not left it in our hands. Uh, he left it in the hands of Jesus. Uh, ultimately, that's what will determine uh, the salvation of people and not what we do or do not do. However, uh, the joy of us participating in the salvation of people, it's something that is priceless. I think uh, one of the, uh, uh, the joys of being in the kingdom is to see people who um, come to who have come to faith and are, are sharing eternity with you, and you have played some role in that. Um, and that that for me that's that's the, one of the greatest joys I probably will will, will experience. Uh, so guilt can be a, a, a bad driver uh, because when we do that, then we end up doing things that uh, in fact are, are harmful sometimes. Uh, mm. We try to manipulate people because we feel that we have to do something. Um, and if we don't do something, um, then something is going to go wrong. We can start sacrificing even ourselves and our families uh, because we have to, to do this. Uh, mm. And there are some people who are driven like that. Um, they do this because they feel guilty if they don't uh, do something. They feel if uh, uh, somebody doesn't uh, believe uh, they have failed God and they have failed those people and those people's blood is in their hands um, and, and so there is that part that uh, we should avoid falling into the trap of mm-hmm. yeah you're uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing this you're, you're calling out some really important and deep things here that, that are so critical for us to explore as we seek to participate in Jesus's mission and to live as sent people because sometimes these things can be nefarious yeah we think well of course participating in Jesus's ministry living um sent you know participating in these church activities what have you of course they're holy things of course they're godly things but sometimes these these different motivations can be sneaky um and and, and those are important things for us to keep in mind. And some of these things you've named, I mean, that's really real. <laughs> we have to have that that yeah. prayerful discernment and self-awareness. Are we just motivated by the numbers of people coming to our church activities and services? Are we just moti- being motivated by how important we may feel? Are we being motivated just by guilt or feeling like it's, it's on us and not truly on um, Jesus? is he not enough of a savior this yeah that's really that's that's really really a strong challenge um and a freedom i think that you've brought to us takalani because when we allow ourselves to be compelled by the love of christ i find that there's a freedom there too and like you said a joy and a privilege Yes. Ah. Yeah. So, so, the, and I think that's that's the point that um, uh, the, the freedom of it. So, we need to do it 
within the freedom, the freedom to, I always say sometimes that uh, uh, freedom is not uh, freedom from, is freedom to. And, and yes. that's, 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 that's important to understand uh, that uh, uh, when Paul says uh, it is for freedom, uh, you have been saved. Um, so we need to understand that it's not uh, freedom from something, it's freedom for something. And, and it's, it's, it's about then participating in this uh, with the freedom of knowing that uh, um, uh, sometimes I see it as, as, as us sitting uh, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, lap of a father who's uh, doing something or maybe even washing dishes. You see these things that you can strap your baby uh, in front of you, yes. stand in front of them, you're washing dishes. Um, and the baby um, is also uh, touching the dishes and so on. When they finish there, the baby will run to mommy and said, uh, Daddy and I have been washing dishes. Um, and, and I think for me, that sort of reflects what we are involved in. Um, that uh, we are participating in something that is so special and so holy and so deep that we can't really understand it. Um, uh, the, the word of God is holy. Uh, and the fact that God mm. allows our corrupt um defiled mouths to even utter it is so special and i think that's that's the privilege uh, and the freedom we should enjoy and experience understanding that this is something that god has given us uh, out of his sheer gen- generosity and not because of any need on his side mm. oh and what an incredible image you've just provided us too i love that i love that and so I'm wondering, you know, I think a lot of us, we learn by storytelling, we're storytelling people. And so how have you personally grown in being compelled by the love of Christ to live sent? And, and if you would, could you share a story that brings to life part of what this journey has looked like for you? Um. Well, for me, um, uh, it has been a long journey. Um, I, I came to uh, faith uh, when I was still in high school, um, and in, in in the church that I was part of at the time, it was not GCI. Um, I, I started getting involved in ministry, um, preaching in the local church, getting involved with the youth activities, um, and one of the things we did as the young people, we uh, it, we, were, we were in a small community, uh, a village, um, so effectively you could walk around the village and uh, be able to go anywhere. So we started a, a simple ministry of praying for um, the fellow church members. Um, so we would say, uh, and we did it on Friday evenings, so on a Sunday we'll say the next Friday we're going to visit uh, your family, Kara, uh, to pray. And all we did literally was to do that. We will arrive at mm. house. Um, we will gather around uh, the, the sitting or lounge room and then we will uh, uh, just uh, do the simple greetings and then we will uh, pray for about 30 minutes to an hour and then we will leave. Um, and we started continuously doing that. And, and as, we, as we did that, uh, we found that um, many young people, because as, as we did that, we will sort of in the villages, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, if you've been through the continent and been to a village. Um, so it's a very communal space. Um, so as we walk in the street, we will sing, um, we'll see other young boys standing around in the streets, mm-hmm. around doing nothing. We'll tell them what we're going to do. Uh, and out of curiosity, they will join us. Um, and we'll go with them and we'll, they'll see what we're doing. We're just praying. Uh, and then we leave. Um, and over time, I was surprised that... Uh, a lot of young people started coming along, even to join us at church. And then the youth group started growing just from doing that. Um, and, and, and I found that very uh, encouraging uh, to see that uh, just offering people prayers can be a ministry mm. that God uses um, to, to reach to us. Um, and we also then used to have during um, the school holidays, during December, um, we used to do about three week three week period, um, just before the week before Christmas up to the first week of January. Uh, we would go uh, into a hospital. Um, actually, we used to have three groups. One group will go into uh, another one village, the other one into another village. Another group will go into a hospital. So I remember we went to one of one of the years. My group went to a hospital, 
And all we did every day for about three weeks was to literally wake up every morning. Um, we had a schedule of all the wards in the hospital. Uh, we will go from ward to ward. All we did, we will go in, uh, sing a song, pray for all the patients in the ward, uh, read a scripture, and then we move to the next ward. Uh, and for three weeks, we just did that. Uh, and by the time we left, a lot of people uh, 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 were very appreciative, and some of them were even asking. Um, they would like to go to church when they get back home. And we just said, look, some of the villages where they come from, we didn't even have a church. So we'll tell them, mm. okay, find a church when you get home um, and, and, and go there. Um, so those are the things that, that happened. Then I had uh, a near-death experience uh, when I was a student. Um, we, we, we were actually, tra- actually traveling from, from uh, um, a, a, a Passover service where we just had communion and we were driving back home uh, late at night. Uh, and then we got to a uh, traffic intersection and our driver, for some reason, and I could see, I mean, I was sitting in the back seat and I could see there was a car coming uh, and he somehow he didn't seem to see it. So he just went straight in. Uh, and this car was coming at high speed and he missed us wow. by inches. Um, and it was such a close call that uh, if he smashed into us, I don't know whether we would have survived. I don't think we would have survived the speed, the, the speed at which he was driving. Uh, and since then, I've always thought about my life as being uh, a privilege to be alive. Um, and so I have this... Uh, uh, motto that I, I, under, I, I sign off my emails with, uh, which says, alive by the grace of God for the glory of God. Uh, f- since then, mm. I've seen my life in that light, that um, uh, I, I'm alive because um, maybe God still has some, something for me to do in this world. Um, otherwise, um, he would have allowed me to rest um, uh, because uh, the, the world we live in now um, is not a, a world um, uh, that we all desire to see around us. Uh, it's full of violence. It's full of uh, evil and so on. We all yearn for the kingdom of God. So to be alive in this age, uh, it has to be because God wants us to carry some work. Uh, and mm. uh, we live by his grace. Um, and uh, all we can do in this age is to live, to glorify him in any way we can. Um, and so I, I, I see my life in that light, that... Um, yeah, it's about that. So all that I do, I do it in that sense that I view my life as uh, a privilege uh, here to serve a God, uh, like Paul puts it, to say um, for him to be alive is to be uh, here to continue to minister to uh, the people that God wants him to minister to. Uh, but he will desire to be at home with the Lord if possible. Um, mm. And I, I, I'm almost at the same spot that I, I feel that as long as I'm alive, uh, this is what my life will be. Uh, this is what my purpose will be. Um, and so I, I, my involvement in ministry is driven primarily by that, uh, that I feel that my life is um, by grace and um, it is here to glorify God um, and to share in his glory because that's what he has done. What we do is glorious. God's work is glorious. Um, and to participate in this is to share in that glory. Amen. Thank you for sharing part of your story with us. And, you know, I praise God for that. And as I listen to you, I can't help but think about the fact that, you know, that yours is a life that, that I hear is compelled by the love of, of God and and it's a it's a beautiful thing um, when when we really live in in step with with that truth that he he has for us and that he's drawing us into um, and living according to his his glory and his purposes and so I I really praise God yeah. and appreciate you sharing part of that um, part of your life and and his story with you um with us and i think that that there is a sacredness to sharing our stories because god is at work and he is um using all of our stories to to grow us to continue to reveal himself to us um and to knit us together as as a church according to his purposes too and 
So I think back even to to what you said about what it means to live set, that that's part of who we are and that's what it means to to be the church and that if it weren't for that we would just become a, a social club right and so i yeah. you know i'm, I'm wondering uh, what is one way um that you can share that you've seen your local church being compelled by love of, the love of god in in their own neighborhood and and what have you all learned from that Yeah, so so in the last few years, I've not been directly involved with the local church because of the role I have now. Um, so I just move move around a lot. Uh, but many of our churches, uh, or let me say, some of our churches, are, are, are really getting involved. Uh, and I think um, it, it's about also understanding um, uh, that. I th- let me put it this way: if our history has been that uh, we we. We understood uh, missional work, evangelism to be um, um, media-based. Um, it was never something that we do. And and, mm. and when we started feeling that, yes, we need to go out and do this, uh, it became um, uh, a, a, an individual-based thing to say we need to, as individuals, do this uh, uh, one-on-one, which is correct, which is fine. But I think we need to understand that there is uh, actually various ways to do this. It's not one mm-hmm. way of doing it. Uh, as a church, collectively, we have never seen that as well. And I think for me, the Love Avenue is about uh, uh, promoting the collective uh, activity of the church community in the Love Avenue, rather than limiting uh, this to individuals, talking to individuals whether. Um, at, at home or in their neighborhood, or but to do it collectively, because uh, there is a sense um, in the sending that when Jesus said to Peter, he wants to make him a fisher of men, um, uh, often in our modern day, um, uh, at least where I am, when we talk about people going fishing, with the talking, we're talking about people going with a rod um, where they throw in a line into the water. Uh, and they sit there, and um, if one fish catches, then they reel it out. Uh, but the kind of fishing Peter was used to was through nets. It was mass fishing. Mm, going mm-hmm. alone, it, was not, it wasn't going alone. You go with others because um, to, to man a, a fishing boat, the nets and everything, you, you need somebody else. It's not something that you do alone. So there was always in, they were always in groups in these boats, and they will throw out the nets as a group. And uh, sometimes they haul the net in, nothing is in the net. Uh, but that's part of it. Um, so it's a, for me, when I look at that kind of fishing, it's for me to sort of describe the kind of love avenue activity and programs that we want to see happening, where the church community uh, sees itself going out into its community uh, and throwing out its nets. Um, it might come with nothing. It might come with one fish. It, come, come, it may come with a lot of fish. And some of it will be fish that you need to throw back into the water. And they'll all they'll drop, fall back into the world themselves. But it's about understanding that there is actually the collective part of it. And I think as a as a GCI community, that's the part we still haven't gotten around to yet to understand that mm. uh, uh, evangelism is also a collective responsibility. It's something that we do together, not only just individually. Uh, we need one to learn to do that together. Even Jesus, when he sent his people, as I said earlier. We send seventy-two. We send them two by two. It's not individually. So I think there is something uh, uh, telling about that. That we must understand that uh, the Love Avenue activity and ministry is not uh, a, a a a sole uh, mandate. It's a collective mandate. It's a communal mandate that we do together. And as a church, I think we need to learn to do more of this together. And uh, therefore, um, having a live an a, an active, alive Love Avenue ministry in the church is about creating these opportunities for the church to go out into the community together and be min- and, and minister together in the community. And for me, that's the part that uh, we need to, 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 to help our churches to grow into because we have not been a church that uh, does that very well. Yeah, and this, this collective way of participating, I mean, I just, I just think about 
we're created in the image of God and and our God is a relational God. I mean, Father, Son, Spirit, Triune God. We are created for a relationship, the church, his body, even um that that image brings to mind we're we're not meant only to be individual as as you were saying and so that collective aspect um it makes sense when we think about who we were fashioned after that there are aspects of of being sent that we're not gonna be sent just alone but but with one another because of who god is and who he has created and called us to be and, and, you know, I think that that's important that you've named that, that that's something to, to be learned and to be formed that's not um, with intentionality and, yeah. and not something that just, you know, <laughs> that we think we can wake up with one day and it's just perfect or something that we think we don't have to pay attention to and it'll just form on its own, but something that that collectively as a community, as a gathering church community, we need to um, grow in together. And so even, you know, in your travels, as, as you've worked with local churches, what are some ways that you've seen local churches building rhythms and cultures of living scent collectively? Yeah, so so for, for example, over the last two years, we've had uh, uh, a lot of lockdowns. And in fact, we just yes. about a month or two ago that we sort of got out of lockdown where all the restrictions were lifted. But we lived through a lot of that. Um, and uh, we could not gather and so on, except in open spaces in the streets. Um, so churches could not gather in their normal church halls and stuff like that. So one of our churches, for example, um, um, they would, uh, on a Sunday morning, um, uh, put a, a, a speaker in out in the street. Uh, they will sing some uh, songs, uh, and neighbors will come out and sit in their yards and sing along. Um, and then they will serve uh, communion uh, in the street. Uh, and um, some neighbors um, will come along. They will invite them to come along, and they will join them in in, in that kind of activity. Um, so I, I thought that was very uh, encouraging, because when 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 uh, they, they 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 started, doing, I think they did it a few times, and when they stopped doing it, the neighbors started asking, hey, "Why why are you guys no longer doing this?" Mm, mm-hmm. So people began to appreciate that uh, that this is something that uh, uh, the, the 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 church um, was showing and showing some care to uh, the local community because. At that time, of course, all churches were not doing anything. People were stuck in their homes. They were missing to go to church. And the fact that uh, they were now offering this kind of service. And they were offering not only to church, to Christians, to anybody uh, who in the mm-hmm. neighborhood to say, you can join in. Uh, and there are some who were not church members uh, in any church. And they were coming along, singing along, and so on. And sometimes it's just about creating that because now they actually have built certain relationships with those communities uh, in those streets. Uh, where they were doing this. Um, and some of them, in fact, have started coming uh, to, to their local church uh, because of the relationship they built during those those events. And they used to go out as a, as, as a church group and in, do that in the streets because um, um, it was something that uh, members were yearning to meet and they could not meet legally without breaking the rules of uh, uh, the restrictions on gatherings and so on. But that came out to be a very uh, uh, helpful um, uh, initiative. Um, and uh, my view, it's probably that that's something that you can do. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be church itself. It could be any uh, uh, other activity uh, that you do. Um, uh, more so with, with, with uh, most countries, they have public holidays, uh, which mm-hmm. they different kind of things. Uh, we need to fit into the rhythms of our societies on those stories, days, uh, when those things say we need to find because in fact let me put it this way there, there's something that uh, I learned from a guy who was actually um, holding a church in a bar uh, every Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, uh, no more preaching in a bar than holding a church because uh, those people were not really his church members uh, and, and one of the things he said which sort of stuck with me was that uh, the gospel is all around us uh, you literally do not have to carry your Bible under your arm when you go to share the gospel. 
because wherever you look, the gospel is there. And he made a, a simple example. He said, if, if, if you take any newspaper uh, and you look at the headline in the front page, he said, if you know your scriptures, if you know the gospel, any headline you read is an opening to the gospel. Uh, he said, if you look um, at any product, um, um, it's, 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 it's a message. God is speaking through everything that is around us. Uh, and we just need to, to, to understand that and start using that. Um, uh, for example, um, he was sitting, he, he gave an example where he was said he, they went to a restaurant with a friend of his who was not a believer. Uh, and uh, as they were speaking, talking, uh, this friend of his said, uh, um, one thing I don't understand with you, my friend, is this Christianity of yours, it makes just makes no sense uh, that somebody has to die um, for, 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 for somebody else, for me to live and so on. It makes no sense. I don't know why you believe this nonsense. And he said to him, as this guy finished saying that, because he, had, he was now practicing, he has trained his mind to always look for, 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 for hooks around himself to share the gospel. So he said, as mm. this guy said that, the waiter was bringing their food, and both of them had ordered steaks. Uh, and as the steak was put on the table, he said to him, look, um, I don't know why it's so difficult for you to understand um, that uh, uh, somebody had to die for us to live. Um, you have ordered that steak there. What happened? Um, a cow had to die for you to eat this and live. Um, in fact, that's the nature of life. Um, life comes from life. Um, and the life we have is the life of God. God is the one who gives us this life. Um, and so in, it is in the death of Jesus that he gives us his very own life. Um, and whether you're eating a vegetable, whether you're eating meat or whatever, anything that sustains humans, unfortunately, has to be life. It is life, and the only life can sustain life. And that's the nature of things. So it, 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 it can't be meaningless for you. That's why we don't eat stones, because they are lifeless. Mm. Um, that's why we don't eat soil, because it is lifeless. Uh, the only thing that we can eat and live uh, is life itself. And that's the very essence of it. Uh, and, and, and so he said, uh, when he said that, he made this guy start thinking quite differently because he realized, in fact, it is about that. Um, and he then started saying, for example, even when people who, people who say they don't want uh, uh, to eat meat, they are vegetarian uh, because they don't want to kill that he said, look, it, 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 it's, a, it's a futile exercise because even the plants we eat, so even if you're a vegetarian, um, you have to, keep to, 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 to cut a, a cabbage at the prime of its life because you want to eat it. Mm. <laughs> it could have still been alive for a few more months before it withers and die. But um, for you to, to, to eat it, you have to cut it at the, at the prime of its life um, uh, to be able to eat it. Even if you do look at the... the, the the beans and stuff like that, you have to take the life out of them because they have potential to live. If you plant them, they will have new life. But for us to eat them is to stop them and take the life, the potential life they have within them and eat it up so that we can live. So the very essence uh, of our lives is exactly that, that uh, life comes from life. And so I'm saying, when you look, therefore, in the rhythm of our societies, our public holidays, our celebrations within our communities, Whatever they are, there is always a gospel message embedded within those things. And it's about us finding that. And as we enter uh, those uh, communities uh, to participate in those activities of the communities, to realize that even within that, we can begin to share what God is doing through that. Because God is speaking through everything that's happening around us. He is there in the community working. Because when he begins to speak, people begin to see. We just need to help them see what God is already doing. And sometimes he's doing it into the normal rhythm of what uh, a community is doing. And as the people of the gospel, we need to just help them see this gospel that God is already sharing with them, which they probably are not seeing. That, yes, that, <laughs> that is, I mean, I don't even have the words, Takalani. That's an incredible example because part of, you know, developing as, as a, a collective gathering church community, 
this this muscle of of setness is to actually go <laughs> you know to actually be and to join your your neighborhood like you said the rhythms of your neighborhood your community your town wherever it is that that you are and to look for what what god is already doing and and so we we can't nurture um cultivate being sent if 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 we don't just go ahead and and go (laughs) and so i i really love um i really love that that example and then as we go i i think that um you know the story that you've just provided shows that that we do grow in learning to to see jesus and 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 his good news everywhere as as we're sent and so we become strengthened in his sending of us and we can continue to develop that together as a community and then we even come back with those those learnings right to our gathering church community and we strengthen one another and then continue to to develop with one another in that way yeah, and, and doing that is also life-giving to even to ourselves because even as we participate in that, our very own lives become so invigorated um, uh, because, because just participating in that uh, is life itself even for us. Um, so so, so it's, it's part of how we, we, as the people of God, uh, we, we grow, uh, we live into... Um, um, what we are meant to be. So it's, it's about the, who we are, as I said in the beginning. So participating in these things um, is, is even life-giving to us uh, in, in its own way. That when we come back as a community, uh, into we're encouraged about what, I mean, if you look at the stories that uh, the, the, the 72 say when they come back and give us the reports, they were so excited about uh, what they've seen happening. Um, that we couldn't believe what we saw. And Jesus said, look, don't be excited about that. Be excited about the fact that not, your names are written <laughs> in, in, in yes. heaven. Uh, and so, so he was even trying to show them, look, this is not about you guys. This is not about what you're doing here. There is a bigger thing. You are participating in something that's big. Your names are written in heaven. That's why you are involved in this thing. That's where the excitement is. The excitement is not that we are going out and people are listening to us. The excitement that we are participating in something big and our names are hidden with Christ in God. That's the excitement. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's a really good word. And and even with with what you've shared there, I want to highlight too. Uh, what makes an impression is again to to just bring light to this this sentness even with with the 72 right they were sent and not to say there's nothing bad with having um activities within the love avenue i think that's that's part of our our rhythms of of ministry but there is an importance to the sentness of you as you've mentioned joining the rhythms that are already established of the community the 72 were sent they weren't asked to gather everyone right but they were asked to to go and so you know that's 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 part of i think what what we're learning in the love avenue is to to go and to get outside of the the physical walls or the structures of of what we can conceive of as as the church that is is already gathering and to go out into the the world being sent by our sending god that's that's an excellent um and encouragement or, or reminder for us of what that what that can look like and and why we do that um and so you know as we're starting to to wrap up our time um what encouragements would you share takalani with with any of our listeners who you know are maybe hesitant or scared maybe they feel like they're struggling to to live sent in this way yeah, I think it's it's about uh, <clears throat> for me. Firstly, it's about just um, getting out there. Um, so, 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 but sometimes where we get stuck, it's it's in programming. Uh, we start thinking, okay, what program should we do? What event we should we organize? 
And sometimes you don't even need to do that because the community itself is already organizing events. Um, mm. And as a church, we can go participate in those events. Um, and as we participate in those events, um, opportunities will arise uh, in that. So, so sometimes I think we limit ourselves because we think we must come up with activities and invite the community uh, to us. Uh, instead of saying the community is already having this kind of event, we can go join that uh, event. Um, and then in the long term, we can even be part of people who organize those events in the future. Uh, and then mm. over time, um, as part of those uh, uh, organizers, um, it gives us experience into how to organize these community events, how to get people together in the community, how to reach out to them, uh, and so on and so on. So uh, I think one of the things we need to learn is to say, as a church, um, how involved do we become with our communities? Um, and it's about li- literally going into the, the marketplace, if you like, and say, what is the community involved in? How can we participate in that? Um, and then be able to offer uh, uh, um, our services um, initially just over our services even if you just go with your t-shirts saying this is GCI whatever the case may be and uh, you are identifiable in, even as you serve there that's all you need to do you are not there as uh, it's not your church activity it is the community activity but you are as a church coming in because many community events in fact struggle to find volunteers um, and, mm-hmm. and, yes. and so as a church community uh, we can take advantage of that. We can make ourselves available. We can get involved. And as we do that, you'll find that we begin to have foothold into the communities and begin to speak into people's lives. And so I will encourage uh, our churches to uh, simply s- begin to see what's happening in their own communities. Uh, get to know what's happening in your co- own communities. And as you identify what's happening, organize yourselves. Uh, if there is a Love Avenue ministry team uh, within your church, um, plan to then go into these activities, participate, uh, get involved. You'll find that it becomes natural over time. You become more uh, uh, comfortable with engaging with your community. And then sharing the gospel becomes uh, something that you do as you go. Uh, it's not something that then you sort of plug uh, in into what's going on without uh, making any sense. You sort of mm-hmm. make it part of the rhythm of life that is taking place in that community rather than something that you bring it from the outside because you know our society today has gone beyond religion so uh, when you come with the bible they shut up uh, they close off they um the, the, the curtains come down so you don't want to do that you want to be part of the community you want to get involved but as you then engage with people in the community there then you have an opportunity to begin to share the gospel you have an opportunity to begin to speak into their lives you have an opportunity for them to begin to look at you and say this is the life I would like to see. I mean, people of Israel, I mean, when you look, you read in, in, in the New Testament, specifically the book of Acts, we hear about God-fearing Gentiles. Uh, these are people who lived um, alongside uh, Jewish people, and they've seen the kind of lives these Jewish people lived, and they said, uh, I like the kind of God these people worship. And they themselves mm. became God-fearers. Uh, they didn't become Jews. Many of them were probably not even circumcised. Um, but they became God-fearers. Um, and over time, I believe many of them became part of the community that was part of the early believers. Um, uh, that on Pentecost, when talking about thousands of people believing, these are the kind of people that became believers. They were sort of one foot there already because they had begun to see that there is a God uh, amongst these people uh, of Israel, these Jewish people, uh, that seems to be uh, much greater than the gods that I've been told about before. So even as we engage with our communities, that's what communities will begin to see. God will begin to shine his light out of our lives into their lives. And that's what we want to do. Uh, if we are hidden in our ch- own churches and we're never in the community, that light can't shine. Uh, and mm. so we need to let that light shine. And it can only shine as we walk around and in between and amongst our communities. And that's what we need to learn to do. Amen. Thank you for that encouragement. Are there any um, other final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners before we close out our conversation today? Um, yeah, so, so maybe the last thing to say is say, um, because some of the things uh, that, that becomes a challenge also, it's about saying, uh, 
uh, who is our communities and who are we trying to reach and all those kind of things. Um, so I think if you look at uh, uh, the, 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 the mission that Jesus gives to, to the disciples, say, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world, uh, you can almost use those descriptions as shorthand for different kinds of communities of people. Um, Jerusalem will probably be uh, people who probably were part of, I mean, there are many people who were part of GCI um, who left, uh, and they are nowhere. They are not everywhere. They are not anywhere in any church and so on. Um, but they are at heart still having deep connections and relationships with people who are uh, in GCI. For me, that's the Jerusalem community we need, should not forget about. Uh, so sometimes um, uh, Facebook has uh, uh, groups of people I've seen, uh, people who used to go to SCP together many years ago. They form groups and say, we are the SCP group of this year's. Uh, and sometimes you can get together with those people. Uh, some of them are yearning to have somebody extend because they are not, uh, uh, they are f- ashamed of just walking back into church. They don't know how the relationships are over all these years. So for me, the first community is the Jerusalem community, uh, the people who used to fellowship with us, uh, who have who fallen away, who are not going anywhere. Uh, we, must, we must reach out to them. Uh, the Judea community for me is the rest of the Christian community, Christians from other churches who have fallen away. Um, those are people who already are familiar with the, uh, the gospel and they just need people to reach out to them because maybe they've been disappointed, they've been hurt by previous church experiences, but they, maybe they need to experience a new kind of Christian uh, that is not judging, that is not uh, condemning and help them to refine the love of God that uh, Jesus has shared with us. The Samaria community is then the people who uh, maybe are Christian, but uh, uh, they practice certain things that we don't necessarily agree with. Uh, but to understand that if they, Jesus said, if they're not against us, they are for us. And to begin to also uh, meet with such people, because there are some people who are in those groups that might find that they're not uh, in, in the right space. And as we engage with them, they might uh, move out of, I mean, we have people who have been engaging with us, even the time when we were called a cult. Uh, and such of people have helped us to be able to walk a journey out of uh, practices maybe that were problematic. And for me, the, the Samaritans were sort of seen as people whose religious ideas and practices were seen problematic by the Jews. But over time, many of them became believers in Jesus, uh, despite the fact that uh, initially they had uh, their own ideas about um, uh, who God is and how he wants to be worshipped. And then the ends of the world, uh, it's then people who are not Christian at all. Uh, that we need to be reaching out to. So for me, it's about understanding that uh, there are different communities within our communities, within our suburbs, within our towns, mm. uh, and understanding that these are different uh, communities that probably even if we do any initiatives and programs, we need to understand which of these communities we're trying to target and reach to. But the first point is just to get out into the community. Let's just get out there and start engaging the communities. Yes, thank you so much, Takalani. This has been an excellent conversation, and I believe that our podcast listeners are going to be encouraged um, and and convicted as they listen by the Spirit to take that step, that risk to live those sent lives that we were created to live because that is who we are. And so I really thank you for sharing um, your insights and your experiences with us. But before I let you go, I do have a couple of random fun questions for you. And so you can just go ahead and share the first thought that that comes to mind when I ask you the question. So if you're ready to go, the first question is, if you could invent a holiday, what would it be and what would you call it? Wow. That's a lot of power. <laughs> <laughs> well, given my life, I'll, I'll, I'll have a holiday um, which is dedicated to just uh, taking time off, a day that you don't do anything, think about anything, switch off for phones, nobody must reach you. A gadget-free day, uh, if you like. Yes. Uh, we can just be free from the technology around us and just go into <laughs> ourselves and uh, introspect a little bit. I like it. I like it. I'd go on that holiday. (laughs) (laughs) What book or movie have you read or seen recently that you would recommend? 
Um, I'm not sure if, uh, I don't watch a lot of movies, books that I've read. I've read, um, through my studies, I've read books. Um, so one of the ones that fascinated me was the lost history of Irish uh, Christianity. Uh, mm. So for me, just learning about uh, the rich history of uh, the Christians in Ireland uh, was very fascinating. Um, and I think uh, church history is one of those things that fascinated me. History in general fascinates me, but uh, church history more so because I can begin to see myself uh, in some of the people who went before us, and that can be very inspiring. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So would you rather be able to speak any language or be able to communicate with animals? No, I'd rather be able to speak any language I want. I think animals already understand us. Um, my dog seems to understand. I know he doesn't understand everything I say, but um, sometimes he looks at me <laughs> like this thing and I say something. I, I can see he got it. Um, so I think the animals already, animals already understand us more than we think. Um, but I think we as humans understand each other very well. Um, and I think I would like to be able to speak the language of others. Um, That's insightful. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's good. All right, last question for you. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would you live? Anywhere for a year. Um, we have a small island uh, uh, here in, in the east of South Africa, in the Indian Ocean, called Mauritius. Um, mm. I, I, I wouldn't mind spending a year there. Yeah, island life is, is good life good living <laughs> yeah well i really once again appreciate your time today takalani and i pray that um this has been a useful um time for our listeners and that they are uh, stretched and encouraged to grow and to live as sent people it is our practice with the podcast um, to end our show in prayer so would you be um, willing to do the honors and pray for our churches pastors ministry leaders and members in gci yes that would be great let's do that thank you okay let's pray Loving Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to participate in what you are doing in the world. Uh, we thank you that uh, you sent Jesus Christ and you saw us fit that we can participate in the work that you sent him to do, that we can continue it. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world in all the churches of GCI. I just pray that you can help us uh, even as we learn to become uh, ascend people that understand that we live for mission because you have a purpose for us to be in the world. You want to reach to the world because you don't want anybody to perish but to be saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray therefore you help us to uh, learn the rhythm of our communities, that we can get involved with our communities. But this is something, Father, that we need to learn to do. Uh, you have done that even as God living heaven, coming into the world and entering our space. Help us, Father, to enter the spaces of the, our neighbors, the spaces of our cities, of our villages, that we can understand where they are and how they live, and that even as they go through their daily lives, we can begin to share the good news you have given us in Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray that you can give the encouragement to all of us, that your heart for the world, uh, what breaks your heart for the world may break our own hearts too that we can share in the pain that you have to see people perish, to see people living in ignorance. Help us, Father, to share that, that through that we can also begin to move out into the world to share that love that moves us, the love of Jesus Christ that is poured out on our hearts. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to do this. We pray your blessing upon all our people as they participate and grow in this ministry of reaching out with your love into the world. We pray as always in the name of you. Jesus Christ, who made it all possible. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen.
Now, Chris, that was a really powerful interview and I think a great way to end the year. One of the things that really struck me was the practice of, you know, just seeing the gospel everywhere, being able to bear witness to Jesus through through anything around you if you're asked about it, even if it's just as simple as, as a steak, right? And so, um, you know, what's something that stood out to you from what Takalani had to share? <laughs> Other than that steak? <laughs> right. <laughs> It was a very profound interview. Um, I really don't know where to start, but I did enjoy that he brought to light the different drives that people have when witnessing, whether Mm. it'll be um, positive or negative. So in the negative sense, when guilt or thinking that God's incompetent to witness, and it sometimes makes us feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders and who gets saved and who doesn't it's also our burden to bear and it's a fine line because it can make you passionate yes um but i feel like it's a whole task that you think you have to manage alone and Mm. it can eat at you as well so i think that was a good reminder to know that there's a fine line between that and just to be aware um but i also did like the bit that he talked about how he was privileged to be just alive with that um, near-death experience that he had. And I think that's a good reminder that every day is a blessing and it's gifted time to continue sharing God's love and to continue reflecting that in everything we do, even with the stake. Mm, yes. Amen. And when we really think and and meditate and and sit in the love of Christ, I mean, it really is compelling, isn't it? He is so good. He is so good. And so once more, um, for the year, can you share with us about the GCI Place Sharing Series? Sure thing. The GCI Place Sharing Series explores the practice of play sharing through interviews, teachings, and a Q&A panel. Visit www.gci.org slash place sharing to check it out and learn what play sharing is why it's valuable, and how it reflects the ministry of Jesus. Well, thank you all so much. And until next time, you just keep on living and sharing the gospel. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of the GC Podcast. We hope you have found value in it to become a healthier leader. We would love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion on a topic, or if there is someone who you think we should interview, email us at info at gci.org. Remember, healthy churches start with healthy leaders. Invest in yourself and your leaders.